thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges, and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Digital Voices, Ed Marks here, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about nursing, which I love and I have to love because I think everyone knows that my wife, Simran, is a, ooh, I want to say a 30-year-long nurse now, and I love nursing as a result of that. Plus, you know, when I served as a CIO, I always got super, super tight with the nursing community because they were, what do you say, where the rubber beats the road when it comes to patient care working with patients all the time. So I wanted to always make sure we had the technology to support them and support our patients. And so I've always had an affinity for nursing. So Robbie Freeman, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Robbie, and we'll get into it a lot more. He's the system vice president and CNIO at Mount Sinai in New York City. And he's just a fabulous person. You get a good feel of that here in a second. And Robbie, we actually haven't known each other for that long was only recently that we were introduced, but I know all the people that you serve with and they're awesome people. And, you know, of course I know your organization having served in New York city myself, and it's, you know, one of the premier organizations in the world. And so it's really quite a blessing to have you. And yeah, so we just met a few months ago in the city and I was like, I need to keep having more nurses on. And especially you're a little bit more customized in terms of your role that you do much more than just nursing informatics, the traditional CNIO role. We're going to drop into that. But before we get started, everyone always wants to know what's on your playlist. So what kind of music do you like to do? You know, I would say it's very eclectic. You would, if you were to open my phone, you would see, first off, a random selection of Broadway because, you know, living in New York City, we have great theater, right? So Broadway shows. And then when I grew up in kind of the, you know, the high school era in the early 2000s, I was very into skateboarding. And the type of music you listen to when you're a skateboarder is like, punk rock, Blink-182, that type of thing, which I have to say is making a comeback. And so um, you would find the new Avril Lavigne record, which came out and come the music in that genre. So very, very eclectic mix. Yeah. One, yeah. One of my favorite songs goes along with Avril and skating is Skater Boy. Yeah, exactly. And she's she's like has a comeback right now. She's yeah, the new album. I'll have to check it out because I am a big fan of hers as well. So that's really cool. And I'm curious too, since you're a New Yorker and some of our listeners, most of our listeners, not in New York, but they visit New York. What show, like what's one of your favorite shows that's still running? You know, right now, Beetlejuice, I would say is a great recommendation. The music is phenomenal and it's still running, I think for the rest, at least of this year. So I recommend Beetlejuice. Yeah, I'm going to hit that one. So I'm coming back to the city in October and I need to hit that. But I heard something from my niece who visited me this week from New York City and she told me that Phantom is coming to an end. I don't know if that's true. I heard. No, I think it's true. And it's been over 30 years. I mean, Phantom's been running, I think, as long as I've been alive. Yeah. And um, such a staple in New York. And so I predict after a couple of years, it'll come back. Yeah. But it is kind of an amazing milestone. And they had an incredible run. Yeah. I usually not the type to keep seeing shows over and over because I always like to try new things. But I'm telling you, I've gone back to Phantom at least six, seven times now. And even the last time I was in New York City, when I met up with you, I took, that's where my niece and I went. We went, saw Phantom. And every time it just gets me, I still start crying and all that kind of stuff. The good ones always come back. So Music Man is back right now. So that's another, I would recommend Music Man. Yeah. So I think I did hear it's closing, but I suspect it'll come back after a few years. For sure, traveling. So 
What about your life message or mantra? Is there like a quote or some sort of slogan that you think about in everything that you do, whether it's your personal life or professional life? I think there's a few that resonate for me. One is I will give credit to our chief technology officer, our CTO, Joga Migliano, who likes to say that our culture is shaped by the behaviors that we accept. And so I believe that within our, our personal life or professional life, making sure that we set the right culture because people, especially now, have a lot of options of where they want to work and what they want to do. And I think it's really important to really build that positive culture where teams you know, can thrive. No, I love that. I'm going to steal that as my own. I, that's something we talk about a lot in our own firm. And that's really true. That's how culture is shaped. So tell us a little bit about your story, personal, professional, however deep you want to go. But you know, if someone said, hey, tell me who's Robbie Freeman. I know he's the SVP CNIO at Mount Sinai, but you know, who is he really? What's your sort of your background, your journey? Yeah, I'll give kind of the Cliff Notes version, which is I ended up in healthcare, I would say accidentally, um, was a college athlete, did cross-country track, um, long-distance athlete. And as part of a community service internship, I got placed at a local medical center. And it just happened to be a heart transplant unit. And pretty quickly just was blown away. You know, I'm there as a volunteer, kind of transporting patients, answering the phones, and saw the ways that the nurses really ran the show. And it was just incredible. And the complexity of it, right? They would get the call. Someone would go to harvest the organ. The chopper would land on the roof. I was just blown away. And I said, this is something I could do, in particular, the nursing team. So they actually hired me. I worked so as a volunteer, then I was a nursing assistant, then did, went to nursing school, became a nurse. And then really just out of my own, uh, when I started practicing, there were, this was kind of in the mid-2000s or 2007, 2008. It was still early days of the EMR. And there were a lot of things that were a bit frustrating. So I just kind of gravitated towards, out of my own frustration, really taking on projects like on the side. And some of the early work I did, and this is way before I even knew the words like digital transformation, included things like created an app to get medications to from the pharmacy to the our nursing station quicker because we had like a paper-based process at that time. So did an app that would like print out the request, a tech would bring it. And we measured and we saved like hundreds and hundreds of hours of nursing time where we used to have to go and like wait at a window and patients were calling and falling. And, and so that was just a project I started to do and the CNO noticed. And after about six years of working in direct care at the bedside, um, created a role for me and just kind of made up the role. Started off, I think it was probably like a coordinator, but really doing quality and, and that intersection of quality and tech. And that's kind of where my leadership journey began. And kind of, I think I've been at almost every altitude of healthcare delivery. So I went to, you know, manager and assistant director and director and literally kind of stopped at each rung along the way. And after working for CNO, I had the opportunity to go and work for our president and chief operating officer for the Mount Sinai Hospital, Mount Sinai Queens, Dr. David Rich. And he really talked about a role that really on his team to help drive tech and innovation. And my first week on the job, he told me I'm chairing what we called our little big data committee. This was about seven, eight years ago. Before really you saw hospitals hiring like data scientists, you know, nowadays it's more common. And that really started me down a track of really being curious around, you know, data analytics in addition to 
tech and digital transformation. And so we ended up starting slowly, but building a team. And today we have a, a sizable team. We have built about 30 machine learning AI products that we're using across our health system that have had a real measurable impact on patient care. Along the way, been supporting work around digital experiences, you know, both within the hospital and across our health system. And so I have the best job in the world. I get to work on the real fun and exciting projects, and I'm really passionate about it. And so I get to take that nursing experience and combine it with some of the technology work that I've done over the years and really use that to help you know, look at ways we can innovate and work differently and, and transform the way that we deliver care. Yeah, that's cool. And your job is sort of unique beyond the traditional CNIO to have those other areas and given your expertise. And you're also working on your DNP, as I understand it. Yeah, so I'm doing a program at Yale. It's focused on leadership and policy. And my focus area is around ways we can use AI to reduce health disparities. So I have um, my research and project is focused on tools that we can use with colorectal cancer screening so we can better connect patients to screening because we can do that well, we can save lives. And there's a big, there's some disparities that exist today in uh, low-income communities, in minority communities, in accessing high-quality screening. Yeah. And so my goal is to look at ways digital can help solve for that and help patients navigate care in communities that need you know, the most help. Yeah, no, that's awesome because you know my wife also recently completed her DNP and sort of a technical bent to it. And I think it's great when we have nurses getting their doctorate and really blazing new trails with all things digital and AI and data. So I think it's going to uh, usher in an even new era of sort of, you know, I hate using the word digital transformation, but I think you know what I mean. So that's really cool. So I, I want to talk a little bit about leadership because obviously you're a great leader. That's what I hear every time you would tell us a little snippet, you know, is all really about leadership, seeing a need and taking action, you know, not just sitting back. So I always like to ask this question. How do you stay sharp as a leader? What are some things that people like listening that might do to say, oh, wow, that's a pretty sharp person right there. I wonder what they do to stay sharp. I think one of the things for me that I really enjoy and I think has been really helpful is staying in touch with what's happening on the front lines. And so I think it gets easier as you grow in your kind of leadership and in your roles to be a little bit more removed from what's happening on the front lines. So I try and be really intentional about making time for grounding and just talking to people who are doing the work. And I think when you can do that well, you really understand what are the pain points, what are the pebble in the shoe issues that team members are feeling. And you get a better sense of, I think, the reality because sometimes there's a tendency to get more of a filtered view, I think, like as you ascend kind of the leadership track. And so there's nothing like, spending time with the people doing the work to really understand both what's working well and, and where are opportunities. So I think for me, that's been a real key part of my own you know, leadership style and helps me stay in touch. Now that it's been a number of years since actually working at the bedside through rounding, I can stay in touch to some degree of you know, things that are going on there on the front lines. Yeah. And I think I heard that every once in a while, you might even, I call it scrubbing in, but where put on the scrubs, get in there with in the mix. Yeah. So during some of the, our severe staffing challenges during the pandemic, we asked everyone. And so I asked my team members, our informatics team. And um, of course, if I'm going to ask my team to do it, 
it's important to lead by example. And so I was able to just support one of our EDs and get in there and it kind of comes back quick. So it was great to be able to just support our team and care for patients. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You know, walking the talk again, leadership, leading by example and having other people do it. And I'm sure the, I don't want to answer the question for you. So let me rephrase what I was about to say. And that is, what was the response from the nursing staff that you interacted with to you being? Everyone was very thankful for the help. And um, I didn't go in there and say, I'm from like the executive team or our CNIO. I just said, you know, I'm, I work here and I'm here to help. And I said, I'm a little rusty, but I can help with IVs and blood draws and, you know, all the supporting things that you may need help with. Yeah. And so it was great. I mean, the team comes together. It's just been amazing to see during times of crisis, how everyone just bands together to do what's right by our patients. Yeah, that's fabulous. I want to switch a little bit now to digital engagement. So you mentioned you also have sort of the digital tools. And I know Mount Sinai, you're all pretty advanced in this particular area. What are some of the things that you can speak to that you're sort of most proud of, you know, in terms of what your team has been able to do? I think a few things. I would say with analytics and AI, we have a number of products that we developed that really help get us the right resource to the right place in the right time. So we built one example is we built a malnutrition AI model that helps tells our registered dietitians who they can screen. And we're using that across our hospitals, across the system. And we've seen that it's a, we can take the same size team, but allow them to care for many more patients and spend their time with the patients who would most benefit from their care. With our digital efforts, we've seen, like many other organizations in the pandemic, a huge increase in the amount of traffic coming through telehealth, through our patient portal. And so we're really thinking about how do we include as we build out our digital experiences, the voices of our patients and really take a co-design approach so that we're sitting down with our patients in an iterative way and testing things with them and making sure we're capturing their voice in any of the products you know that we're developing and working on. And I would say digital with our workforce right now is becoming so paramount because of the, the staffing challenges that we're facing burnout across the workforce. And one way that we can bring some support to our teams is through our digital initiatives. So we have an effort underway to be able to bring in virtual members of the care team. So you know, a nurse can come in and help with things like documentation or education and be that extra support for our team on the front lines. We're also looking at voice with AI. So how can we use voice with AI to relieve the data entry and documentation burden. Because since the days that I was practicing at the bedside, a big portion of the shift is data entry. We spend a lot of time you know, on shift assessments and notes. And there's an opportunity to shift some of that data entry to the background so that you can have a natural conversation like you and I are having right now and allow these tools to capture that data discreetly. I think the technology is still early, but as it matures, I think that there's real potential there and an ability to support you know, our care teams and make their life at work a little bit improved. Yeah, I like that. And I love that example on the having a nurse potentially remote to come in and help and do some of the things that you can do where you're not touching the patient, literally. And that's pretty brilliant. I've actually not thought of that. And I deal with this a lot, actually, because I'm on the board of directors of a couple of health systems now. And 
that's the number one challenge that we're experiencing on these different organizations is the nursing shortage and the cost of travelers and things like that. And we're always asking, and they're always asking me and the CIO there, of course, what can we do with technology? And we've done quite a bit, but that is a new new one. So thank you. It helps me and helps these two organizations and hopefully it'll inspire some others who are listening. And not just nursing, right? Because there's other members of the care team, pharmacy, case management, social worker that really could zoom in yeah. to a room, have a discussion. And that brings up new efficiencies in the way that we work and can support patients. Yeah. I love it. As you say, it it's, becomes obvious, but you know, you don't always think about these things because you're thinking about so many other challenges. And that one's, I like that. That's really good. So Robbie, talk about a nurse who's listening, who is at the bedside maybe today, or maybe in early management, and they are interested in someday becoming you. So they want to become a CNIO. What is one or two pieces of advice that you might give to a listener who's inspired by hearing you and wants to become a CNIO, but they're early in their career? So what would you tell them? My advice would be to say yes to things and look for opportunities to you know, get involved and work on projects. And for example, earlier in my career, I would come in you know, on my days off. And when there were opportunities, I remember one time our hospital president at the time, she asked if I wanted to join for rounds. And I said, of course. And it may not have even been my day to work, but I would come in just for that like opportunity. I think at the time, a lot of my friends who were on the business and finance track, they were all about like the internship, getting that experience, you know, and this was in some ways similar where, you know, you're volunteering your time, but you're getting so much in terms of experience. And so I think look for opportunities to like work on projects, say yes, get involved, you know, don't expect that it will come to you. I think you kind of have to seek out opportunities. And then when you do have projects that have, you know, and making sure that there's measurable outcomes. And when you have those, make sure that you share that. So people are aware of the impact you're having the value that you're contributing to the work. Yeah, that's great. And what about education? Is it BSN minimally? Should they have an MSN? Should they pursue a DNA? Yeah, so in general, for I can speak for our health system for nursing informatics positions, we would expect someone is prepared at the master's level. I think beyond that, any organizations for a CNO would prefer, usually you would see doctorate preferred. I think that's going to become more and more like expected. So I would say that that's really becoming kind of the standard within the nursing community is to have doctorate prepared nurses and some of the more senior leadership roles. Yeah, and obviously someone like busy already and taking the time to get their DNP, you can definitely do it while you're serving and you know part time and make that move. So, yeah, again, sort of leading by example. And my wife, you know, so did the same thing. So definitely possible. So no matter where you are, if you're older and it's not too late, in other words, to keep going. That's right. Before we hit my last question, which I'm gonna leave open ended for you, but my second to last question has to do with advice you might give to a hospital C-suite. So the scenario would be, Robbie, you've got all this amazing experience from Mount Sinai and just your all your leadership experience. And you're sitting with the average hospital. Now, because Mount Sinai, you know, you're, like I said, one of the best in the world. So your average hospital that maybe not be as advanced. They know that they could leverage technology to do more. Uh, they know they could lever nursing and informatics to do more, but they just haven't just because where they are, but they're ready to. 
what might be one or two things you might say if you're sitting there with the C-suite, like, hey, the first thing I, you might think about is this or that? Yeah, I think every organization needs to kind of have a sense of what makes sense based on their kind of goals and size. And for example, for us, starting our own team that's building out AI and predictive analytics made sense. I think for many hospitals out there, you may want to take advantage of some tools you can get through your EMR vendor because now they are all starting to offer predictive analytics you know, options. So I would say exploring that and start small. And so one of the first projects we started with was predicting who's going to fall in the hospital. But pick a project that's relevant where there's discrete ROI. I would also say to the C-suite leaders is get out there and round and talk to people doing the work because they will tell you will find out very quickly kind of what the pain points are. And that will give you the ability to take that and build it into a roadmap so you can address what are the most relevant pain points for your workforce and your frontline team. Yeah, those are good first steps. You said it earlier and kind of said it there is the pebbles in the shoe. I love that phraseology because People just can sort of live with it. It doesn't bother them enough that they'll really do something, but it's bothersome and it impacts their quality of life, which their quality of work, which could impact patient care. And then sometimes if you ignore that pebble and it's in the wrong spot, it can lead to something worse. So definitely things to be attuned at. So we covered a lot, Robbie, in a, just a, a half hour. We talked about sort of your career. We talked about the playlist, of course, which I'm going to go listen to Skater Boy as soon as uh, <laughs> we're done. I'm going to see Beetlejuice. So the next time I see you, I will tell you that I did see Beetlejuice. Okay. But we talked a lot about leadership, how we keep sharpening the saw, as it were. And then we talked about how you really, your leadership style, you like ask questions, you round, you get engaged and you keep yourself always, you know, as sharp as you can be. You're continuing your education. I have a whole list of things that we talked about. You talked a lot about the great things that your team has done at Mount Sinai, especially with analytics, but also on the digital side. And then we already talked about the couple of use cases that you shared. Lots of different advice for people who are looking to grow in their career. Pebble in the shoe, I'll never forget. And of course, uh, probably not to be overlooked was your mantra, which was culture shaped by behaviors. Culture shaped by behaviors we accept. So tons of good things. So I'm going to leave the last question to you. So is there a, one of those things that we talked about that you want to double down on or any last thing that you want to share realizing our audience is largely, you know, sort of digital transformation type people, both nurse physicians, but a lot of IT people as well. I mean, I think I would end with saying that for both kind of the, like the vendor community out there and those like me working within health systems to really think carefully, like early on around the value proposition for any kind of digital experience or project that you're working on and really think very early on about that ROI and you know, what in the sustainability. So does this lead to a sustainable business kind of model? And are we tracking? And it doesn't have to be revenue per se, but it has to at least be safety, quality. What is the impact that we're going to have? And really define that upfront before you start the work. That way it's very clear as you move along what's successful and what's not. And so sometimes we wait till we're too far along, I think, to start thinking about those kind of success metrics and KPIs. And so I always kind of have that advice to really, it's never too early to really start to define some of that so you understand what success is going to look like. Yeah, super, super wise words. Robbie, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. I know our audience has as well. Thank you, Ed. All right, that wraps up Digital Voices. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Martin. 
If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening. 